Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, a podcast series that explores financial complexities and modern strategies for the discerning investor. Brought to you by Ropan Financial Services. Now to our host. Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, presented to you by Ropan Financial Services. My name is John Calabro and I'll be your host today. And I'm joined once again by the directors of Ropan Financial Services. We've got Rodney and Jason with us today. Boys, how are you? Good to be back in the seat, John. Yeah, well, John, just come back in from lunch. Though No coffees this afternoon though, Jace. Although, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, um, we have an extra special guest today. We've got um david ashton lewis the uh, a special advisor for your business and i might let you guys introduce him and you can tell us about his role in the business and then we'll, we'll get the, the fine man to talk himself so our role and uh, engagement with david professionally spans back over the last 20 odd years uh, under ropan financial services group david's been uh, instrumental in the mentoring and the evolution of rodney and i as individual professionals but also for Ropan as a business. During his time, he's held some very high esteemed positions uh, on the Supreme Court of Fiji and Papua New Guinea, I think, David, if I'm not wrong. Uh, I was director of public prosecutions in, I never was on the bench in Papua New Guinea, only okay. Fiji. And um, with uh, senior positions under previous licensees as the corporate legal counsel and of late appointed to the Supreme Court of Fiji. Amazing. David, what a great role, uh, you know, suite of experience you've had. And I hear that you're also a radio presenter in the, you know, in, Gold, in the Gold Coast as well. Tell us about that. Well, I, um, I, I'm a director of the radio station and uh, I do a weekly show there on matters of topical interest. I'm an adjunct professor of law at Southern Cross University Law School, and I also lecture to what is known as the University of the Third Age, which is people over the age of 65 who want to know things like what we would do um, and how we should go with the, uh, uh, the voice. And I was a constitutional barrister amongst four other specialties. So up until October the 14th, I was inundated on the radio station and at the universities talking about the voice, the constitution of Australia. Mm -hmm. So I've been blessed really because I have a very good memory. It's almost a photographic memory. So a lot of everything I read, I retain. Now in some ways that's good, but in other ways it's not. So I talk mainly on the radio about uh, popular issues, parliamentary government, Australian history, European history, and we make it something more than dates and personalities. Two famous men made two famous statements. The first one is this. Those who do not bother to learn about what happened before they were born are convicted to forever remain intellectually a child. That was Cicero to the Roman Senate in 43 BC. And we still do it today. I did it as a child of the 60s with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And I really liked a bit of history, but I wasn't really interested in much more. The other famous statement was the past, the present and the future. 
are in a contractual relationship with each other. If you don't know where you've come from, you won't understand where you are. If you don't understand where you are, it's very hard to make a future. That was Sir Edmund Burke in 1793 in the British Parliament. So that's what I do on the radio station, this type of things. Obviously, as an adjunct professor of law at a law faculty, all we talk about is the law. And as a judge, you apply the law. And when I met Rodney and Jason 23 years ago, they were different. They really were the professionals then that they are today because they approached helping people grow wealth responsibly, carefully, and they had an attitude that if, if I gave them $400,000, they treated it like it was theirs. Now, you get some people that do that, but they go too far because they steal it. But Rodney and Jason don't. They guard and protect. And that's why they've had a fairly stellar career um, in their profession in the east, southeastern part of uh, Victoria. They could have gone to Melbourne and Sydney and made a bigger income. They would have had been dealing with bigger things. But being, I suppose, the professional men they are, their decision was we are going to strive to be the very best we can be in southeastern Victoria. Excellent, David. I mean, that's that's quite the runway. There's quite a few springboards there for conversation, but mm. I just want to dial back one to one thing you said about your photographic memory, which is going to be important because I started writing down a list of all the things that you'd done and all your accomplishments and I ran off the page and you've done well to remember all those things. That's quite the list. Well, I've been fortunate. <laughs> Excellent. Well, can we then um, focus just firstly on – uh, I mean, with all that experience you've got and all that knowledge and, and, and everything that you've sort of all that, you know, all those credentials, why advising financial advisors uh, resonates with you and what your role then is with the boys? Yes. Okay. Financial advising grew out of really insurance salesmen. And I was invited to be advisor to the board and management of a group known as Professional Investment Services. Now, Rodney and Jason came to that group because you have, like, like with law, you cannot practice law if you don't have a license. You can't practice medicine if you don't have a license. Accountants, there are no licenses in. Anyone can call themselves an accountant provided they don't call themselves a chartered accountant I because the that. Institute of Chartered Accountants know that, will, will injunct them and stop them. But you could go out tomorrow, John, and set up a nameplate, John Calabro, accountant. I promise you I won't. I promise you that I won't do that. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm sure you won't. But you could do it and no one could stop you. But if you went out and set up John Calabro, physician and surgeon, and you didn't have a medical degree, you'd be stopped really quickly. The same with law. Now, basically, when I was advising this group, because they wanted to professionalise but there's one problem when you get people who want to professionalise that do not have an understanding of what professing a learned calling is. Now, to profess a learned calling, to be a doctor, to be a lawyer, to be an engineer, you have to spend four, five and six years, now five years for medicine and four or five years for law and engineering. You have to spend those years gaining the theoretical knowledge base 
to be able to go out and put that into practice. So <clears throat> if you work in sales, then you, you pay your mortgage, you earn your daily bread, you send your children to private schools on the basis of how much you sell because you get commission. And that's how financial planning started 25 years ago. It was mainly former insurance salesmen who would be given a glossy prospectus by an insurance fund group, and all they'd do is sit down in front of you and make the talk, and then they'd put the prospectus in front of you and say to you, read it. Now, 90% of people would read it and didn't understand it because it was technical financial jargon. Now, that's, I'm not criticising them. That's how it grew. Right from day one, which was, I think, 2000, when I met Rodney and Jason, they didn't practice like that because they'd never been insurance salesmen. Right. They started off as advisors to one of Australia's major banks and their customers, and they won awards for being very successful. Why? Because they were honest. They never misled people. And the magic words, if someone asked a question of them that they didn't know the answer, they would say, I can't answer that, but I will find out and come back to you. Now, that's what your doctor will do if you're diagnosed with something that he or she hasn't seen much of. They never go ahead and start talking about what you should do. They go and get second and third opinions. Rodney and Jason were like that 23 years ago. So they were younger men, but they had a sense of pride in what they were doing and they had a sense of responsibility. And over the 23 years, what happened, Australian law changed. Why? Because a lot of these salesmen who had these beautiful certificates up on their walls that looked like my law degrees, <laughs> but they got that from a three-day course at Norwich. <laughs> on, on <laughs> they were three tips. Well, Jason and Rodney did none of that. Yep. What they had up on their walls was their three-year Bachelor of Business degrees. They had then the one-year postgraduate in, I've forgotten the name of it, gents, but they'd done postgraduate work. And they, they had shown through the Securities Institute, which was a recognised institute, dealing with investment securities. Yep. So these men were able to promote themselves not as salesmen but as professional advice givers. And so you spend a number of years getting theoretical knowledge. When I graduated with a law degree, people said to me, oh, look, I've got a case coming up in the Supreme Court of Victoria. Could you help me in that? And I'd say to them, I couldn't tell you the first thing what to do because you needed, when you got out with the theoretical knowledge, you needed then five or six years in practice to be able to marry the two together. And what these men did was they were doing that from really day one. So I realised when I started advising them, I'm dealing with very different men. And because they were different, what, 12 years ago, they made the decision, we do not want to work under. A lot of the people had to work under a licence. Yep. The licence was very expensive. So what would happen? Banks, insurance companies would, would buy the licence and then you'd be an authorised representative of that group and you operated under their licence. But what was happening, a lot of people were going tail up 
And we will eventually see, and I think it's on the way, there'll be individual licensing for financial advisors like there's individual license for a lawyer. I, I had to pay $1,500 a year for my license and then about $5,500 a year, 30-odd, well, no, 35 years ago, to insure, to have professional indemnity insurance. What, what these men are finding out, they've got a license and they're perfect for it. But let me ask Jason, what's the cost? And Brock Rodney, what's the cost of professional indemnity insurance? It's be, huge. It'd be 60000 a year. Yeah. Now, I we, we all complained in the law society, the law practicing area. Five. This is thirty-five years ago. Five and a half to eight thousand dollars. Oh, that's terrible. The reason why today this is sixty thousand dollars is not due to men like these. Mm. It's due to the cowboys who still pride themselves on being able to avoid the law. Because you think of it, John. How would you like? To come in, you're a decent man, you've just retired from work, and you've got a superannuation fund of $2 million. That would be nice. I need advice on this. Now, come into Jason and Rodney, it'll be treated carefully, properly, and they'll earn a fee rather than a commission. Now, commission is based on how big something is. So if, if I sell a house... For $40 million, 10%. If I sell something for $200,000, 10%. Commission usually bears no reality to value. It's just someone saying, thank you for selling my product. Whereas once you have to start charging a fee, and most financial planners now have to do it because commission's gone in the main. And so when you've got to charge a fee, you know as well as I do, people will be quick to say when they get a bill for what appears to them, because they're lay people, to be a small matter, and they get a bill for nine, ten thousand dollars $10,000, the first thing they do is they're in there saying, what? And now people like Rodney and Jason can justify their fee on the basis this wasn't something simple. Look, if law was simple... Why do you have to go through 12 years of school, four years of a law degree, two years post-graduate working under people to be called to the bar, and then another five years before you're really competent? Mm. And so the trouble is in life, what appears to the layman to be pretty simple? You know, I've had people say to me, look, I know what the law, law, law is. <laughs> you have to bite your tongue. <laughs> and so... And, and so what happens is everything, and particularly the area, I mean, I wouldn't be a financial advisor for quids because what are you doing? You're dealing with OPMs, other people's money. Now, lawyers got into trouble, solicitors did, because barristers can't hold trust accounts, and I was a barrister. Solicitors can hold trust accounts. The key word in that is trust. So that, if you're a big firm, that 80, 90 million you've got in your trust account, not one dollar of it is yours, yet you have access to it. I spent a year as a young barrister striking crooked solicitors off the roll in Victoria. And what was the main offence? Tickling the trust account. Mm. So once you start getting into 
fee-based work, and I know the work that Rodney and Jason do to charge a fee, and in I'd say about 85% of the case, they can't recover in a fee what they've actually done. So welcome to being a professional. When I was at the bar, 65% of my work was on fee base. I had 23% was on just cover filing costs, paper preparation, because you'd get a brief and some poor devil had really didn't have money, but it was going to be expensive. So they had enough to pay for the document filing. 13% was done pro bono or nothing. Mm. And yet I still lived comfortably on 65%. And this is what these two men do. I know because I know the inside of the business. And I know that a lot of what Jason and Rodney, now the other men, Scott Henning and Nick Cullis, a lot of what they do, they can't and don't recover fees for it. It just has to be done to do the job properly. So I'm sorry that I've held the floor in this really, but you ask me why. Well, I came because these men were different 23 years ago. And I'll give one last example. I had stopped advising this other group and sort of retired. I was looking for other work when I was 60. And Rodney and Jason would always ring me and if they had a problem and speak to me. I think it was Rodney that spoke to me on this particular instance and they'd had their license for about a year. And the, the question came up and I thought, oh, holy moly, what they are doing is dangerous. If the Australian Securities and Investments Commission walked in, they'd pull the license. And they'd pull the license not because these men were incompetent, not because these men were crooks, but it was complicated. Mm. And they were trying to deal with an area. Look, do you, do you fix your car now, modern cars with computers in it? Do you fix your car when something goes wrong? No, you take it to someone who's trained. I certainly, so know, I I certainly know that Jason doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't think there's any mechanics I said in the to room. Rodney, look, let me come down and I'll come down and I'll give you a year and I'll have a look. I'm going to tighten things up so you're not in danger of having ASIC, the Australian Securities Investment Commission, come in because you've worked really hard to get your own licence. I think you paid quite a substantial amount for it 13 years ago. And the last thing you want is have it attacked. Well, I came down and uh, I worked, and I knew them anyway. I'd known them for 12, 13, 10 years, 11 years before that. And we did fix things. So I'll end on this. These men are not perfect. No one is perfect. But there's two great things about Ropan. They'll do their level best for you. And if they make a mistake, they don't need lawyers' letters to tell them. That they've got me and they'll always ring me and I've said this a couple of times, oh, you've, you've mucked this one up. And what happens when I've said that? We then start discussing, okay, what damage it should be of it. Every time I have given advice, you'll need to pay X thousand or that they've done it. They've paid it and there's been, I can think, we won't name names, but I think of two people that said, took the attitude, oh, I got that from them. I might push for a bit more. Now, Rodney is a good street fighter, but he's a gentleman street fighter. And this particular client 
we were able to get to a point of saying, you've been paid fairly, goodbye. Well, they ran off to the financial institution complaint service. I don't know what it's called now. It changes the name so many times. And from wanting unheard of amounts that we just laughed at, this group said, um, you've been paid really well. Ropan, could you pay, I think it was, what, a couple of thousand dollars more? And there was a bit of peak at that because we had fallen over backwards, to be fair. Mm. Now, my advice to the men was just pay it. Just pay it. You want no wrong complaining when there's no basis to it. So Ropan paid it. You know, they were happy to, to pay it and we've never heard a word of these people. So that was the second thing. These men are honest, they are fair, and most importantly, they are excellent at what they do. That's a that's a very good summary, David. Thank you for that run. Boys, I mean, that's nice to be spoken of about your, I guess, um, your, your independence is one thing, but the fact that you're an honourable bunch and, you know, to hear from someone like David, I think is... Should, should make you uh, feel pretty warm inside. Now, likewise, I'm assuming David's an, a good guy. And um, yeah. <laughs> Some, something... I'm listening, fellas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and unlike this podcast, we're on a Zoom. I can see your faces. Uh, so I can't hide. Like the judge watches the witnesses in the witness box. Yeah. I, when they're, when there's they're a chance to get questions. a word in. We need to get in. That's there, right. That's we, right. We, we, can't, we can't hide I'm anything with David. But, but I am curious... Um, you know, from your perspective, to have got the attention from someone like David as young professionals as you're building your business, the opportunity has emerged whereby, Dave, you can play a part. What was the courting um, process from your perspective and w- when you first got to know David and, and what you saw in him and the role he's played in the business? I'm interested to hear for that from the both of you. And then, David, you'll get a chance to defend yourself. <laughs> All right, yes. Well, it's funny that, yes, that right. David says we were professional. We were one of the first advisors coming out of university with a degree and moving Mm. into the field and David was probably that in the legal profession even though it was probably more established and David followed a certain path but I think David you were one of the youngest to be be on the on the bench of the high court at what 47 48 42 oh there you go I was made senior counsel when I was 39 and I was appointed to the high high court of Fiji at 42 so, yes, I was young by those standards. I'm yes. just adding this to your virtual CV as I write it down. I'm going to need another sheet and of paper, David. And I think, John, we, we had David down early on once he'd left the larger licensee and Jason and I would sit in the room and say, well, gee, David's services are available. Why are other advisors in the network? We were a part of a network of 1,000, 1,100 advisors and we just couldn't get our head around the fact people weren't ripping his door down to get his services and... We think that's definitely an oversight. And we look back even, David, on the fact we were working in the banking structure. We left that structure fairly early on in our careers. We we felt it wasn't core business to the banks. And what's interesting yes. has come out since the Royal Commission is the banks have dropped the financial planning or financial services aspect of their business like a hot potato. Now, we just and had why? A, why? Why? Well, because be- they had people there who didn't approach the financial services of, of ANZ or NAB Bank or Westpac in the way that, that you, and now that it's an independent profession, 
had to because they had to meet targets set by mm. no-knowledge bankers. So the, as you rightly said, their core business was not banking. It was not uh, financial service. It was banking. You mm. will probably remember I spoke at, an, at a conference in, that you were at in Hawaii and said life would be better if insurance companies would get back to being insurance companies. Mm. Banks would get back to being banks. Accountants would get back to being accountants and let people like you two, let you be the financial advisor. Mm. But it took a lot of pain. All of our major banks, John, have all been under enforceable undertakings. And those are the orders that ASIC put on that for the draw to, well, think of West Point. This group lost $800 million of people's money. Amazing. And they were going around calling themselves a bank for years, and yet Section 72 of the Australian, I think it's 72 or thereabouts, of the Australian Constitution says, unless you are a properly licensed bank, you can't call yourself a bank. Mm. Yet yeah. this group did. So people trusted them. So, so again, what Rodney is saying is right. We, we often talk about the amount of sharks that are out there, charlatans and, and get-rich-quick schemes, but also other people who are looking at all the various types of investment that are out there. I mean, I think, David, what you're saying is that regulation matters. Um, it does. You know, Jason, do you want to talk, talk, talk to that? Because I know that's a big thing. That's, this is why the insurance is, you know, in the, in the gamut of 60000 per year. It's because there are people out there doing the wrong thing. And David just gave you guys a, a massive um, pat in the back in terms of the way you do things the right way. I'll probably go back a step, and uh, one of the one of the key factors for Rodney and I to consider in this whole evolution of our profession, if you like, was getting a better understanding on how you give advice, even on a non-product related matter. So to do with the strategy that's appropriate for a client. So just so we can be really clear, because I want to hear more on this, Jason. But for anyone who's listening who doesn't quite understand the difference between non-product matter and another one, can you just fill that in? Uh, for example, you might have $100,000 to invest and there might be a particular investment trust you could invest into, which is delivered by, in David's example, an insurance company or one of the banks or one of the investment houses and uh, the applications lodged with that particular institution on behalf of the client. Okay, versus? Versus, in comparison, a wealth accumulation strategy over the next 20, 10 or 20 years in which there are key behaviours and key determinants that the client needs to put in place to get to a particular end result with or without a particular product. Yeah. So may, maybe not necessarily tied to superannuation or share investment or something else. It might to do with be to do with property or investing in a family business or buying whiskey or... And if any of the listeners want to send any whiskey in for us to taste, by all means, get in touch. Sorry, Jase, continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that was part of the key factor in determining the, the relationship with David because Rodney and I recognised very early on in the piece how how do you how do you develop the business? In what way can you develop it? And in that journey, what's the value add you can give to the client as opposed to just recommending a particular product? So it became apparent to us in conversing with David and getting his background on the legal profession and understanding of how the law profession operated in that sense. Mm. So there were good learning cues for us for for Rodney and I in Ropen, and and we tried to adopt uh, many of those aspects within our business. Over the, over the past period. So 
there's three keys to it. There's the, the evolution of the profession. There's the ability to give advice without a particular product. And then the levying of fees for the advice that you give. And you touched on something good there, John, because you can either invest in, as Jason touched on, a fund. And a fund might hold investments. It's like a basket. And it holds investments in property, in uh, overseas uh, futures, puts them all bundled in, and you give them 100000 and it's invested on a broad spread in a number of products that you don't even know of. Or you can come along to col- this little factory down in um, Terelgan that the word has got out is distilling fantastic Scotch whiskey, and it's called Calabro. And, you think, and someone says, you need to go along and meet, meet this uh, John Calabro. So you come down to Terelgan and you have a look and you see things beautifully established, lovely stainless steel stills, and you're meeting you and you're talking about how you've won prizes, which an Australian whisky has knocked off in Scotland, the 186 Scottish distilleries about eight years ago to take the best whisky in the world award. And the Scots were really annoyed because these Australians won it. Now, so Jason might know of you or Rodney, and he, they'll come down and he'll they'll explain to you. And rather than invest your hundred thousand in a group or a fund, someone says, "No, I like John. I looked at the figures. I looked at the way the factory is run. I looked at his management style. He showed me his orders. He told me that orders are pouring in from everywhere, and they're looking now to have to expand." And uh, I think I'd rather put $100,000 into that. So this is the type of thing. Now, you think it, if you've been an insurance salesman, your knowledge of this type of spread was very little. And again, I go back to these two men. They were operating at that depth 20 years ago. Sure. Tell me a little bit about how you would advise Rodney and Jason in that aspect, David, that you know, when you move away from institutional investing or typical share broking and you go into something that's a bit left of field, like my hypothetical whiskey distillery, which I'd love to have yes. one day, or by the way, <laughs> um, how do you advise them in that scenario? Well, naturally, you'd, we would come together because we know each other. I know their morality. I know their ethics. So my first check to say, who are these people? Now, the first thing they usually say to me, we want you, David, to meet these people. Now, that usually happens. And at times I have met someone, I've thought, well, if it were me, I'd be a bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. One of the benefits you get from being a barrister and being a judge is a reasonable ability to read people. See, so so you've got a little white-haired granny and she's a bare-faced liar. You've got a man with tattoos up his arm and half his teeth missing, and he's telling the truth. Now, so one thing about these two, they were always truthful, and I could tell if they were porking me, and they've never porkied me. They've never porcupied. They've genuinely said, well, what's your opinion? They're not children. I would give them my opinion, and I'd say I wouldn't do it. And I can't think of anything where I have said that. And they went ahead and did it. And it's not because I said it, because I can rely on their own. Rodney and Jason have a great relationship, and I think that's a key to their success as well, because 
I'm sorry to embarrass them, but I will. They're very different men in many ways, different personalities, but they've got a tremendous coming together of, um, of intellect, of talent and skill, and they back each other to the hilt. I won't go into detail, but I know of things that Rodney has not felt comfortable in, and he and I will talk about it, and Rodney will still say, oh, I'm going to back Jace in this. And he'll say, and Jason will know, and then Jason and I will talk, and I will say to Jason, you're aware, aren't you, that Rodney's a bit uncomfortable with this? Jason will say yes, and then he'll do one of two things. He'll either say, I want to go ahead with it, and Rodney will, every one of my examples, say, all right, I'll, I'll back you. Or Jason will say, I've thought about it more, I've talked to the judge, and all right, we won't go there. So that's helped them, I think, build a tremendous trust in each other. And they're both trustworthy men, so that's fine. But you can be a trustworthy man, John, but if you don't know me from a bar of soap, it will take a while for you to develop trust in me. And what these men have done over, well, they knew each other at school. I mean, Rodney has told me that Jason was, I think, two years in front of him and an absolute thug. There's definitely a few Boy, years about me. On the soccer field. <laughs> but Rod, Rodney was a, he was a typical gentle Aussie man. And, yes, Jace can be a bit of a thug, but he's not a brute. So they <laughs> developed a friendship at school, and this friendship is now translated to what? One's 48, one's 51. And they have built – I won't keep singing their praises. I think you've yeah. heard enough, but they've built – the success. Now, you spoke about diversifying out. One thing that Rod was a bit concerned about, because their skill that built very well for them was advising mum and dads from middle wealth to very wealthy mum and dads, and then real struggling poor people for not much fees, advising them on good investment, how do they prepare for retirement, or school fees for upcoming children at Melbourne Grammar because they wanted them to have a good education. Jason said, I'm interested in the area called private equity, and I'll let Jason explain what that is. And so Jason moved away in many ways from the core of what's given, um, given Ropan its stellar name and success. Well, I know, I don't think Rodney would mind me saying this, I know Rodney was not as keen, but he did nothing to stop Jason. Well, now it's taken, you know, probably know, with investments, mm. if you're going to buy shares, you're looking, if you're going to buy for the long term, you keep them for at least seven years and don't expect massive growth. So if you're going to go into something new professionally, then you're going to probably take about five to seven years to get it going. Well, Rodney back, Jason, and it has taken, what, 2015, Jason, it's taken eight years to finally show some movement. And Rodney, while he's not been that keen, he's never stepped back from Jason, and I think that's a key to their success. Mm. That's excellent. Now... David, the, the, the boys are very lucky to have a, a mentor like you in, in the business and we're thrilled to have you on the podcast today. 
Um, I mean, it's been great to hear you speak and I'm sure we could keep talking for hours, but I understand that you've got some fairly serious paperwork that has a deadline today and that you might need to leave the conversation a bit sooner than we'd like. I might, and it also give you a chance, give the two men a chance. You know, what is a barrister? I've never been known as not having the gift of the gap. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you've so, done well, David. Uh, so, but look, you do need John because you know them. Um, as I asked at the beginning, I met you 10 years ago and you know them, you don't need me to tell. And it's important in the podcast that, that people don't hear me, they hear them. So if you would excuse me, I'm, I'll come back and do anything further that the men ask me to do. A pleasure to meet you again, John. I always like being with Rod and Jason. So Keep going. Absolutely, David. Well, the pleasure is all mine. And of course, the listeners who get to listen to the podcast as well. Um, David, we will let you go. We'll keep chatting a little bit more to, to dissect all those wonderful things you've said. But thank you very much for dial- dialing in today from Fiji f- with us. Oh, you're welcome. Th- thank you for having me. Take care. Good Thanks, David. Thanks, Thanks, David. Thanks, David. Thanks, Bye. 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 Guys, what a great conversation with David there. And aren't you lucky to, to have someone like that advising you in your business? What are your, your, what's your immediate response to David's contribution today? <laughs> well, you never stop learning, do you, John? Indeed, indeed. Yeah, no, it's definitely good to have David tune in and give some background and, you know, so he often digs a little bit deeper than maybe you're comfortable <laughs> with. But, um, you know, you, sometimes you can't hide from the truth, can you? Yeah, and look, I think we've got a, like I said the word mentor earlier on, you know, you've got someone there looking for your best interest and, and I guess indirectly not only is he looking for your best interest but that affects your customers and i guess your community because you know when you're being guided to do things proper and, and right and better then um, that's only going to benefit people in a knock-on effect isn't it mm. no doubt absolutely no doubt. Yep. all right guys any last comments you want to add before we close today's podcast it's been a, an absolute banger i think the next podcast is before christmas isn't it <laughs> it might well be close yeah yeah well Enjoy your Christmas break, people, boys, everyone that's listening. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again, David, for, for coming on. And uh, look, I'll close just by saying for anyone who's interested in having a more in-depth chat about the things we've discussed today, please, by all means, reach out directly to Rodney and Jason. You'll find their contact information by visiting ropan.com.au. That's R-O-P-A-N.com.au. But of course, if you have your own advisors mentors or friends who have your best interests at heart by all means share this podcast with them reach out to them have a chat and uh you know do good things so look that's all from us today thanks everyone for listening we will catch you on our next installment of conversations on wealth we hope you have enjoyed this podcast please note that the advice discussed in this podcast may not necessarily be suitable to you because it contains general advice that has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. We ask that you please seek personal financial advice prior to acting on this information. To find out more about what was discussed in this podcast or to seek advice, we encourage you to contact the friendly staff at Ropan Financial Services by visiting www.ropan.com.au or referring to the notes in the description. 